lots and lots of spoilers. Good old Frida. A title usually reserved for another character in this pantheon. Perhaps one of the most enigmatic characters in the Peanuts ensemble, she is best remembered for her o'erweening pride in her naturally curly hair. But few remember that she was also obsessed with getting Snoopy to catch and kill rabbits. What drove this curly-haired diva to this hatred for the humble Lapine? This movie attempts to unmask the driving fury uh, Max, behind the, the idea Ma- Max, that would... Max, what? what? What the hell did you watch? <laughs> Good old Frida. You don't like good old Charlie Brown? But... No, this has nothing to do with Peanuts. This is a movie oh. about the secretary to the Beatles. Well, the Beatles, sure, the Fab Four. You, you know, know the series Charlie we're Brown's, doing? <laughs> you know, Charlie Brown, Snoopy, Lucy, and Linus. And John, Paul, George, the, and Ringo. The, oh, oh, right, right, right. <laughs> Beatles. Yes, no yes. Peanuts. <laughs> Certainly no Peanuts Beatles, for you. Peanuts, same thing. Except the Peanuts stayed together a lot longer. Ooh. <laughs> and Yoko didn't break them up. Uh, <laughs> yes, this is our late, ladies and gentlemen, The Beatles series. So this, in fact, would make more sense that we're actually talking about good old Frida, which is a 2013 indie documentary that treads some very familiar ground, the story of, you know, The Beatles, in a surprising and unfamiliar way through the eyes of Frida Kelly, who served as the head of the Beatles fan club for the entirety of the band's existence. Another Liverpudlian, although originally Irish. Ooh. Yeah. Is this a, fre- a new and fresh take on an oft-told tale? A tale as old as time, one might say. No, one might not. All right, one won't then. <laughs> or is it just the same, same old song, but with a different beat since you've been gone? Okay, that's the four tops, I know, but there are four of them, too. Yes, and their I, names were John, Paul, George, and Ringo. Exactly. I am your host, that real nowhere man, Max Levine, and over yonder is your other host, whose yellow submarine is about to be towed, I think. Oh, crap. Uh, Mike Luce, jeez. I gotta go. Yeah, yeah. Now, before we launch into trivia, we have our poll question. Poll question. Last week, we asked you... What subject matter do you think is most lacking in movie theaters? What area has Hollywood not explored enough? And a boy howdy, you had some opinions on this. Boy howdy. Oh yes, indeed. From boy howdy, we got no. Uh, from Geneva Brunetti said, "I'm thinking on this one. It's hard because there used to be an easy answer, which was the opposite of my joke. She made a joke about superhero movies." Mm. Uh, originals. I feel like there's a resurgence in what used to be called B-films. Look at the most recent Best Picture winner, Coda, for example. Ten million is still lots of money in real people terms, but is a relatively lower budget film, even though although even that was based on something else. So, that's interesting. I really wouldn't have thought of a B-film as just one with a lower budget. Mm. Uh, Over the the last handful of years or so, so my answer a few years ago would have been different than today. I'll get back to you. And she did. Oh, Thank good. you for getting back to us, Geneva. So far, we have a lot of not answer. <laughs> yeah. All right. Here's a, real an- here's a real answer of things I think are lacking or we could see more of. Not that there aren't, not that they aren't there in a few examples, but what I'd like to see, crew flicks. You get lots of pieces of where people are actors or writers, but not crew. I want to see a gritty grip movie. Huh. 
Okay. Yeah. International musicals. Mm. Eastern Europeans that aren't poor or evil. <laughs> there are some. Max. Okay. Wow. <laughs> you just I, well, lost. I, want, our... I only know it from. I know it from the movies. I just assumed they were all poor or evil. You just lost wow. our entire Eastern European audience. Which which is who? They're very nice people. Uh, <laughs> fat people not battling with their weight, just battling with regular stuff. Oh boy, that's. I think you're reaching for the sky there, but sure. People taking care of their animals who don't end up dying. <laughs> okay. um, yellow. More, more steady cabs. Yes, please. <laughs> Black and white. Though so this is slowly making a comeback with a few recent pieces. See our entire episode on Macbeth. Uh, female auteurs other than Sofia Coppola. <laughs> Love her, but it's way overdue for a new generation. I don't know. We're getting like Greta Gerwig and... Uh, uh, the, the director of Code on uh, and Jane Campion, but sure, actually Jane Campion is older than Sofia Coppola. So anyway, I think everyone is. So, so thank you, Geneva. Yeah. That, those are that's some really really good list. Yep. From Dave. Dave. I am into historical dramas right now. Anything set in a particular period is fun for me. The fifties, sixties, and seventies are all ripe for the plucking. I've also been enjoying The Serpent on Netflix because it is so 1970s and so Bangkok. All right, I would recognize one of those two things. <laughs> I, I kind of got back to Dave on this one. It's like, I honestly uh, think there's been a lot of films about the I 50s, thought, 60s, and 70s. Quite a few, I would think. But, but maybe he's talking about films about the 50s, 60s, and 70s that don't take place in the United States. That Or that, or that don't all take place in Los Angeles. Right. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's handy. It's right there. But <laughs> Chrissy Becker writes, movies about marginalized people that are about joy and success, not trauma. Yeah. Oh, there, yeah, that, there's a dearth. Yeah. It really is. Kelly Cooper writes, Chrissy Becker, I came here to say that. <laughs> also, more female-led heist movies or otherwise action-y flicks where women are the main characters in charge and having fun. Those do tend to be more the exception than the rule. They do, but I also want them where they don't in any way go, and they're women! Yeah. Just, just yeah. let them, like, that what was it, the Tom Cruise film, uh, Live and Die Again, that stupid thing, Future Repeating? Oh, and it had Lather, Rinse, Repeat. Yeah. yeah, it had Emily Blunt in it. And they never once do the, and she's a woman! Or in any way sexualize her. Oh. I, speaking just for me in Italy, that's what I want. She's just a character. It's not also she, oh, and she's overcome the fact that she's a woman. There's nothing to yeah. overcome except your prejudice. So yeah. that's what I yeah. want to see is this, like what she's talking about, the heist films, but not like it's Ghostbusters, but with women. Don't do that. Just make it that that's what the characters are. Sorry, rant. Don't make an issue of it. Yeah. Yeah. Matthew Reisman says, I'd love to see more 2D animation. Yeah. More of a stylistic choice than a subject matter, though. Yeah. For subject matter, I want more fantasy and whimsy that doesn't have to be self-aware, tongue-in-cheek, or a dark, almost horror interpretation. Wow. Yeah. Good luck. I also, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know, Matt. That may be reaching for the moon there. I'm also... Pretty much always up for more heist movies. Yeah. I, I don't think they're going away. I do love me some heist movies. Yeah. When Ocean's Eleven got remade, um, there was a little, like, pocket of them. Mo yeah. A lot of which were very good and forgotten. I really liked um, Heist. <laughs> uh, and what was the one with... Um, the Italian Job? The or? Italian Job was okay. And then there was another one I really liked with um, Gene Hackman. And I can never remember the name of it. But, 
Yeah, and a lot of people didn't see it, but it was actually a really good heist film. I Yeah, I'm all for that. And also 2D animation. There's things you can do much better in 2D that you can't do in 3D. Yeah. Um, you know, Spider-Verse is a pretty damned good example, I'd like to say. It really is. So, uh, Valerie, I'm in no way related <laughs> to Mike Coons, uh, writes, middle-aged people as actual people. Are they? <laughs> Um, Are we? Look in the mirror. Uh, Oh, yeah. Well, I know I'm not. It seems... Yeah, I'm I'm fictional. It seems like they get relegated to being parents or grandparents or the protagonist's stockbroker. There are a couple of movies... Yeah. There are a couple of movies about retirees, but there aren't a lot of films about old-ish folks. And I agree with Geneva. Well, that covers a lot of ground. And I agree with Geneva. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But that's because everyone thinks the audience is always young people. They yeah. forget that um, middle-aged people have more money, generally. Just yeah. yeah. <clears throat> we do podcasts about movies, too. Yeah. <laughs> and from the Great White North, Vin- Vince the Snowman writes, Snowy! Subjects I think we could see more of would be those that are made, about, uh, are made by and about Native populations. Yeah. There are a few films about and by Native American lives, and really none I can think of that get much attention. The same could be said of stories from many poorer nations who have a reality that might seem almost extraterrestrial compared to what Hollywood is putting out. I can't help but think all film would be lifted up by some never-seen perspectives. Yeah. That's a very good point. Very good point. And remember, uh, going back to our series on uh, whitewashing, that episode where we had Dr. Professor... I'm sorry, Professor Dr. Professor Dr. Professor Dr. Rebecca Pelkey, and we got to talk about... Um, the Lone Ranger, which is a brilliant depiction of Native American life. Yeah. Um, There's basically no representation there at all coming from the community. So yeah, I totally agree with that. I think of the hundreds of films, the hundreds of stories from all of those, it doesn't matter what, you know, Aboriginal films, uh, whatever that we have never even touched. There's like this, a giant universe of stories from any of these communities. And we've seen basically nothing. So yeah. Good choice. Uh, Max, what about you? Do you have any um, areas you think Hollywood uh, is not representing enough? <laughs> areas. <laughs> they represent that plenty. <laughs> I, I like the, I, I actually go along with the one about uh, showing more middle-aged people actually, you know, doing stuff as opposed to looking back on their lives in despair as if they're over. Yeah. Because they're not. But not yet. What about you? Um, definitely the marginalized people or the people that are bas- generally basically ignored in the films. Um, more film with strong women characters that aren't making a point of it. They just happen to be who they are and we're watching their story. Um, and uh, quite honestly, more films with Wonder Ponies because we don't have nearly <laughs> enough movies. I, th- I think one is too many. <laughs> and- I, there is another another one I'd like to just I don't know really if it's subject matter but it's kind of a trope and I'm not I'm not trying to virtue signal here or anything I'd like to see more movies with gay main characters where the fact that they're gay is not the central plot item oh man would I like to see that and no trauma yeah. oh the drama oh the yeah, yeah. oh but or, or there can be drama but it doesn't have to be about their sexuality yeah man no. I should have said that one but 
I, yeah, there was a couple of movies previews that I was watching with my partner the other day, and they were still about that. The whole, do yeah. I come out? And what if blah, blah, blah. And he just rolled his eyes and just said the drama and clicked the button and we moved on to something else. Because <laughs> I even, even we're sick of it. I'm with Patton Oswalt. I, when he, he was talking about how he was going to be cast in a movie as the gay best friend. Gay but best he wanted, friend. <laughs> he wanted to play him like he was a complete idiot. <laughs> It's like because you know in, in the movie he says in the movies the gay best friend is always like you know drops in these magical wonder pieces of wisdom and is the sassy friend he said you know I know gay people some of them are smart some of them are average some of them are stupid I want to see one about a stupid gay character <laughs> yeah bad life choices well thank you all those were all terrific answers we they really were. appreciate them we really appreciate you guys making the effort my God you. People are eloquent. Yes. Stop it! <laughs> it really upsets Max no end. It does, man. That means we have to look even more eloquent, and quite honestly, you ain't making that easy. Who, yeah. what, me? You no, know, no, no, you're making it very easy. <laughs> <laughs> bumpy is really making it easy. <laughs> have a bumpy puck. Have, we have a brand new poll question. We do! We We've do. never done that before. Yep, yep. This one is vaguely related to the last one, but only vaguely. That's fine. What action movie cliche punches the biggest hole in your suspension of disbelief? What is it? People walking away from an explosion and not being knocked over? Somebody diving unharmed through a plate glass window? The way people shrug off bullet wounds? What is it that you think Hollywood should just stop doing there? I know what Max's is, but I won't tell you till next week. Yep, yep. And at the end... We will reveal the great secret of how to get your answer to us. <gasps> Spoiler alert, it's the same secret we've told you every week for 186 <laughs> episodes. Or at this point, 188. Ah. Yeah. But now, oh. trivi trivia. Ooh. The show. There is not exactly a plethora of. Did you make some up like I do? <laughs> I did. I oh, did. good. <laughs> Little as few people know this, but Frida Kelly was actually John Wilkes Booth. Ooh. Yes, he through his time travel accident and a sex change operate. No, uh, I, I thought they killed him. That's what they want you to think. Oh, it was. I mean, it was on TV. It was that whole prison oh, yeah. transfer thing, right? That's where Jack <laughs> Ruby came out and shot John Wilkes Booth. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, but <laughs> actually, Jack Ruby was one of the lizard people. Yeah, the owner of the local titty bar, apparently. <laughs> anyway, uh, what yeah, what I'm trivia glad that he do could you... bring a handgun in there? Um, <laughs> ah, sure, he's fine. <laughs> uh, uh, yes. What what trivia I, do you have? Well, this was this movie was funded entirely on Kickstarter. Mm. For about sixty thousand dollars. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. Whole thing, and it made about well one hundred and thirty-nine thousand. Well, technically a success. Made yeah. its money back. Yeah. The title of the film, "Good Old Frida," comes from the nineteen sixty-three Beatles Christmas record, which was the first of a series of special records created every year by the group for its fan club members. On this particular one in nineteen sixty-three. Uh, George Harrison actually goes out of his way to specifically thank Frida Kelly for her work, and all the other three Beatles all yell out, Good old Frida! Frida Kelly is divorced now. She is still alive. Her son tragically died very young. I could not find out the cause. Mm. And her daughter claimed to have known only about 5% of what Frida talks about in this movie. <laughs> so we'll get to that. Yeah. This is the first independent film to have successfully licensed original Beatles recordings. Because that ain't cheap. I bet it isn't. And according to Ryan White, 
It's well known, he was the director, uh, ah, it's you. well known the Beatles music is not in many films, so we knew that was going to be our largest hurdle from the very beginning. I've never made a Beatles film before, but when you start talking to people who have, you hear about how it's a nightmare to deal with licenses and it's never going to happen. So it's a total testament to Frida that we got that far and that we have four Beatles songs in our film, which I think is almost unheard of. Hmm. It's very clear when you start talking to Apple, the umbrella organization for the Beatles, that there's still a lot of respect for her in that building. So oh. I think I'm a very lucky filmmaker. Oh, cool. Hmm. Very cool. Neat. Yeah. Uh, according to the uh, uh, DVD, there's some special features on the DVD. Uh, the director, Ryan White, also says, Frida had just graduated from school and was working her first job as a secretary, a typist, at a food cannery. And two of the guys from upstairs, two of the accountants, took her to the cavern for a lunchtime session. She'd never seen the Beatles or heard the Beatles, heard of them. And she fell in love right away, started going every single day. She was 17. Yeah. That is uh, largely it. There is not much else known about, we'll get more uh, about Frida herself as we talk about the movie. The plot, as much as a documentary can be expected to have a plot, there have been many, many documentaries about the Beatles. But this one takes a fresh and largely unknown perspective, that of one Frida Kelly, who at the age of 17 became the head of the Beatles fan club and stayed in that job working for the late lamented Brian Epstein for the entire time the Beatles were together, for 11 years. Hmm. And even for a few years after that, she never wrote a book or even spoke much of her time with the Beatles, even to her family, until at the age of 68 she was asked to be the subject of this documentary. And she decided to do it for her grandson, just so that at some point he could know what an exciting life his old grandma had in the 60s. Frida was with the Beatles at the beginning, through their unrivaled claim, climb to fame, and through the eventual dissolution of the group. Through her eyes, we get a very human, very grounded insight into one of the most iconic bands in history. The Lowdown. So, Max, um, yeah. I wonder, have you seen this film before? Yes, I have. Oh. As yes. have you. Huh? You no, and no, I, no, 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 no. Yep. You and I both saw this in 2013 when it came out at the Brattle Theater. Are you now? Yes. Did we? Yes, you did. Yes, you did. Oh, we you know, did. We both saw it. And uh, You mention it. I did uh -huh. kind of feel at the uh, part of the way through the film, I'm like, this feels vaguely familiar. And then when, well, oh, spoiler, when Ringo shows up, I'm like, I'm sure I saw this. But well, now that you, you mentioned, were very drunk at the time. So. Yeah, actually, you know, no, it wasn't that one. We did go see a film with the Brattle, which involved beer. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was some dreadful Canadian film. I it was uh, one of their their trash Tuesdays. Um, so, do you? Well, you didn't remember it really that much. I remembered a fair amount, but I had for well, once I remembered that you know it existed. Yeah, a lot of it came back. Yeah, I will say one of the things I found both most interesting and most confusing is because she was really dealing with the fans. Um, that was her direct, her, I mean, she directly dealt with the Beatles too. They would come in and they would sign things for her um, and stuff, but she was dealing directly with the fans. So there was a lot of footage I hadn't seen before of people talking to the fans. Yeah. 
And when there's one point early in the film where they're just talking to these two girls and they're basically asking what they want. And they're just like, we just want to, we just want to touch them. We wouldn't hurt them. We just, <laughs> it was just like, and you're just watching these crazed people. Oh, and that one line that just really, did, did you catch this? It's, it freaked me out. One of them saying, I mean, we, we like, we grew up on the Beatles. We, they belong to us. Yeah. Like, yeah. ah! No, they don't. Stop that. It's in in some ways, it's a really interesting, and I actually didn't even think about this till just just now. It's a really interesting comparison of fame and how people deal with it, because on the one hand, you have these fans, and to this day, I have no idea what caused this, because they, we start off with her going to the Cavern Club, which quite honestly is a dive. It's yeah, a basement. In, a, in an industrial area of London that somebody has hosed Liverpool. out. Liverpool. Liverpool, I'm sorry, yep. That somebody has hosed out yeah. and put a stage in because it's all this stone and brickwork that's obviously just there to hold up this, you know, warehouse. And they've made a club out of it. And this is like, they've been in Germany. So they've been in Germany for a year or however mm. long they were in Germany and they've come back. Less. Yeah. But it's not like they're a thing yet they're nobody not... knows them i mean a and pete they best have... is still in the band pete best is still the drummer i didn't remember what he's a good-looking fellow yeah yeah he's a, nice he's looking a good-looking guy. kid but i do love the way she describes the way it smells yeah it's across from the fruit market and it smells like uh disinfectant old fruit and, and sweat. sweat yeah <laughs> i could have been where i was waiting for her to say urine but yeah she i was the, she's very classy she is and we'll, I, we'll, I, we'll get to her i yep, want to yep. save her for a little okay. bit later but okay. so she we talk we see some footage there actually is some footage of them at the cavern club which i which i had seen before there's no sound but that's okay yeah but you're talking to people and you see people talking about them from then and it isn't just, oh, yeah, this is band I really like. You've probably never heard of them called the Beatles. It's like, oh, my God, did you see the... Ah! Yeah. I mean, yeah, they're free. Some of these fans are freaking out from day one. Yeah. She wasn't. Frida was like, no. well, I like them. You know, I fancy them. I think they're, they're very good. But <laughs> oh, she also has a different favorite because of how she deals with it. It's like, oh, this week Paul came in and he was really nice and asked about my mom. So that week it's like... Yeah, I think I fancy Paul. Yep. And then next week, John will come in and John will sit down and do some extra stuff for her. And just, you know, maybe I fancy John. And so and she was like... I, I, I like how she keeps calling... She keeps forgetting to call Ringo, Ringo. She keeps calling him Richie because, yeah. you know, his name is Richard Starkey. Right. And I guess that's how she was introduced to him. I don't know. Because yep. she was obviously there, if not leader of the... Or uh, secretary of this fan club before Ringo showed up. She was following the band because she would she said one the first after the first time she went she would go there during her lunch hours and come back with the smell of the cavern club on her and her <laughs> co-workers knew it and yeah. she was like i don't care um and it was literally just she was a hanger on that got noticed happened to be a secretary and they needed somebody for the job and it was like hey you want to be a secretary for the fan club well, of the beatles okay. it was a friend of hers was the secretary and as she said got a boyfriend yeah. And didn't want to do it anymore. And they said, you want to do it? And she started and just never stopped. You think that person's been kicking themselves ever since? I wonder if it's like whoever it was, that record producer who turned down both the Beatles and the Rolling Stones. Oh. Ooh. Oh, yeah. 
Um, but yet, I, to this day, no one has been able to explain to me, and this movie doesn't attempt to, and that's fine, but no one has been able to explain to me just what the hell it was that caused people to react that way. I don't know if anybody knows. It was, <laughs> it was an ineffable quality they had. It was... But it also has to be something to do with the time. The times have to have been, like, there was a, a just a dearth of... of Except there wasn't. There was a lot of... There was Elvis. Admittedly, he was more popular in America than he ever was in Europe. Um, there was... Uh, oh, God, I can't think of his name. It begins with a C. Um, uh, anyway, mm-hmm. there was lots of other people. Yeah, there, were little, there was Little Richard. There was... Uh... <laughs> well, that's when they get their big break. They get to open yep. for Little Catalina Caper Richard. Yep, on the Little Richard show. <laughs> Who's playing at a big... You know the big hall of Liverpool. Yep, yep. And the the Empire. The Empire and that save was actually, the Empire. <laughs> damn the man. Yep. That was actually one of the things I did like about this is they show footage or photographs of these places and then they take her to some of them, and so she gets to sit there and reminisce about. Oh, I remember when they came out or they were on this balcony or uh, they actually go to I think it's Ringo's family's home. And she's like, oh yeah, I was over here all the time, and his mother kind of like adopted me. She was sort of that like the mother. So- sweet apparently his mother like she said yes i came in just to bring him she was bringing him his mail or some such or bringing yeah. some forms for him to sign and her mom's like you know oh no that was it because they were having their parents according to her their parents would answer their fan mail for the most part because they right. were getting like you know 20 or 30 letters they weren't getting a lot and Ringo's mom couldn't figure out how to do it. Right. So she came over to teach her. Well, at that point, they were actually, the, the rest of the Beatles were getting up to 200. Oh, yeah. And, and then he Ringo, got nine. Ringo was like, will you take care of mine? <laughs> He's like, oh, I feel so bad asking you. but And it's nine letters. Yep. Nine. <laughs> <laughs> and she, um, she said, you know, I, I was a kid. I didn't think. I just looked at him and said, you've only got nine. <laughs> Poor Ringo. Poor old Ringo. Uh, and then she talks about having tea. She would come by for tea with Ringo's mom. And it's yep. like, oh, it's so sweet. Tea with Ringo's yeah, mom. They, that's one of the things she discusses is she was close to most of the family. I mean, the Harris Harrisons liked her yep. and uh, the McCartneys. The only one who she didn't get close to is the one nobody got close no. to. That was and John that Lennon's was aunt. Auntie Miriam. Yeah. Auntie, John Mimi. Lennon's auntie, Mimi, yeah, who took, who raised him and... Uh, I mean, there's whole books written about her. Yeah, I, I don't know that that background, and I know that the, the man we saw in there was Paul's stepfather. Yeah. So it was his. It was John Lennon's aunt. But I gotta say, Ringo and George don't look anything like their parents Nothing. at all. No resemblance <laughs> at all. And there's no resemblance between John and his aunt, which you know there could have been. Yeah. Um, and Paul's stepfather doesn't make any sense. Um, I did like the fact that we had. Or maybe it was a, maybe it was his dad, and it was because his stepmother was in the movie. Yeah, um, which I thought was interesting. Is I had she she looked great. I was yeah. like, how are you still alive? Because the rest of them had all passed away. But, um, and you know, some of the other people they talked to obviously just wasn't many people left around. Yeah. There's two guys from uh, a band I'd never heard of. Um, yep, a couple and, of uh, other musicians who were on the same circuit in Liverpool, so they knew the Beatles coming up because everybody knew everybody because Liverpool. It's a city, but it's not a huge city, and the music scene was not enormous. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I was talking earlier about because we're going to probably lead into this. I don't see how we can. I was talking earlier about how different people deal with fame differently. Mm. I, in general, I've noticed, I, I, just in general, 
the Brits tend to deal with it a lot better than the Americans do. And I say that, especially when it comes to child actors, I look at the entire crew of the Harry Potter films. One of them, one of them turned out to be kind of, he got into some trouble, but that was it. Like the, all the main characters, those actors, I don't have any drug stories about them. I don't have any stories about them beating people up or spending all their money on an ice cream truck. Uh, 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 Rupert well, he didn't spend I all know. his money. He didn't spend a significant fraction of his money. No, he just happened to buy an ice cream truck. He basically just said, "You know, I wanted something that would make me and people happy, so I bought an ice cream truck." Why I actually not? think that's really charming. I think that's cute. But look at drove, yeah. Anyway, yeah. But but look at Frida. Basically, Frida was like, "I love these guys," and. I have loyalty to these guys. And that was a very big theme oh, yeah. of who she was and who she still is. And they ask her, one of the earliest questions they ask her is they talk about how she was there all the time. And they say, well, did you go out, out with any of them? And she says, <laughs> no. And they sort of like, the camera pauses, like the, you can tell the cameraman or the director's going, really? And, and then she, she says, I don't want anyone's hair to fall out or to curl. Yeah. So pass right she won't answer no and you get the feeling that she didn't write it down anywhere that nope. nobody knows but frida attend that will go with her to her grave it's that was that's a very big theme in this movie about her she was incredibly loyal and incredibly protective yeah she could have and her daughter says her mother could have made, been made a fortune yep she didn't keep most of the memorabilia she had all these autographs and Pieces of their hair and original albums, and she gave it all away to fans. Most of it. She well, still has some. She's got like but, four boxes worth of stuff. Right. Well, and she talks about once where she's there. There's the big. There's a big move at one point where the the Beatles are still living at home, which yeah. is <laughs> the most charming thing in the world. It's like how long you've been touring the world. How's that gonna work? Because like Ringo's family home, um, it's like a Brooklyn apartment. It's yeah. tiny. It's a, it's a little house. But they come back and they're like, yeah, Brian Epstein's like, we're Epi is going to move us to London and she can't go because her dad won't let her and also her dad's in bad health so she can't go. Um, And she's doing a stack of autograph books and she's like, they're going to be moving to London. I won't see them so often anymore. So she finally, after, you know, three, four or five years, sneaks hers into the middle and I think it was George Harrison yeah, who was he signing caught, it. He was like, well, he's like who's, who's is this? And she's like, no, 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 just sign it, just sign it. And he's like, no, 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 who's this? Is? And he flips to the beginning and sees yeah. her name. He's like, is this yours? And, and she says, yeah. And he takes it and stuffs it in his pocket. And he goes to London, <laughs> gets all four of them to sign it specifically to her, where they write little messages and brings it back to her. Yeah. And um, she, she resigned. She said, no, I can't go to London, so I'm turning in my notice. And apparently... No one ever had said that to Brian Epstein. <laughs> Nobody quit Brian Epstein. He fired a lot of people because yeah. he was he was I knew this beforehand. Brian Epstein was notorious for his violent temper yeah. and his um well, she refers to it as tantrums. Yeah. But he you know and uh he just talks about talks to the Beatles about it and says, you know, mm, no. <laughs> you can you can stay here and work, but uh, you're not. We need we need you. You can't leave. Yeah, you can have and, my office. And, my yeah, office. you can work in my office. I, I love the fact that I think it was Paul's mother who 
told Brian Epstein, you're not paying her enough. Yeah. You should pay. And he gave her a raise because, <laughs> because Paul's mom told him to. Well, according to, to the according story, to yeah. he said, we've reviewed your work and have decided <laughs> to give you a rise, because yeah. they say rise in Britain. Rise, but, right. and, and But there's Paul's mom actually saying, yeah, yeah, it was me at a party. I'd had a couple of drinks, and basically I was like, you know... And so you got browbeaten by Paul's mum, and even Brian Epstein couldn't deal with that. Yep. Epi. I did um, want to talk a little about Brian Epstein and the way he's portrayed in this, because this is, I've, I've heard other portrayals of Brian Epstein in, in other movies or, or in, other, in other writings. This is really different, because most people talked about, oh my God, he was a tyrant, and he was this, he was, sure, he was brilliant, but he was awful to work with, and he was just, and she's like, no, everyone respected him. He wore nice suits. He came from a nice family. Yeah, he had a temper, but she was not afraid of him at all. And somebody, one of them interviewed saying, yeah, she was the only one who was never afraid of him. I loved the fact there was one point where, um, well, she was only 17 when she first met him. Maybe six, no, six, no, 17. 17. Yeah. And I think it was like a couple of years and she didn't know that Brian Epstein was gay. Mm. And one of the Beatles, again, I think, I think it, was it was George. John. No, it was John. It was John, who yeah. basically who tried to tell her in the nicest <laughs> way possible. He's like, well, let's put it this way. If you were the only two people left on a desert island, you'd be safe. And apparently then the little light went off and she was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, people speculate that's one of the reasons he was so angry all the time, because he was dealing with having to be in the closet and he really resented it and, you know, can blame him. Well, at that time, it was illegal in Britain. Yeah, it was still literally against the law. But also, to be fair, he's in Liverpool. Liverpool's not... Uh, it was a working-class town. It's still a working-class town. not and very I'm, cosmopolitan. I'm betting it wasn't. I don't know. I've never yeah. been there. But... Um, so we're seeing... In a way, we're, not, we're of course, the documentary's not about the Beatles. It's about um, Frida. It's about Frida Kelly and her experiences. And, of course, people... In general, let's be fair. People really aren't that interested in her. They're interested yeah. in her experiences with the Beatles. Mm. That being said, she comes off as probably the nicest person <laughs> that's ever been involved with a world-class celebrity that yeah. I've ever heard of. She seemed really... Every single picture of her, she's got this big smile on her face, and she still smiles like that in the film. And, and the way... Uh, at least one of the other people involved, one of the musicians, described her. She said, they said she was a fan, but she wasn't a fanatic. Yeah. She liked them, but she wasn't insane. And I really like the fact when, when you see people talking about famous bands they were, they had some connection with, a lot of it, it tends to turn into an ego trip. And it tends to be very much like, oh, they used to say I was part of the band. I thought of myself as part of the band she never says that she just says i was one of the fans yeah i was just one of the fans i wasn't family i wasn't part of the band i wasn't an, i wasn't a fifth beetle no i was the representative of, of the fans and that was what was so important to her were the fans well not only that but it was really important to the fans whether they realized it or not because she went to ridiculous lengths there's one oh, point boy. where a fan sends a pillowcase and <laughs> says would you please get ringo to sleep on this and then send it back to me and she does it she does it and it would have been as she says it would have been so easy to just stuff it back in the envelope and said okay i did it because how would you know well, and but she, she even did. She said gives to... it to Ringo's mom and says, "Could you just put it on his pillow for <laughs> Make tonight?" Sure he sleeps on it. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently, he slept on it for three nights, and 
I guess he signed it and she sent it back. And I remember there's also one point where they she has three helpers. They yeah. found one of them and interviewed them. And they were helping answer the fan mail. And one of the helpers got a friend to cut some hair off so she could stick it in an envelope and say this was John's Paul's hair, hair, Paul's yeah, hair, whatever. And she found out about it. And Frida found out about this, and she's like, yeah, this isn't going to work. And she let all three of them go. Yeah, she she's said, like, I, can, I can never trust you again. And she fired all three of them, even though one of them was only one was responsible. But it's like she didn't want fake stuff to be sent out. Nope. And she knew about what the fans, like how much they cared. I, the monumental task of just even looking at that mail, I can't Ooh. imagine. Yeah, she says it went from like, but she made the mistake of using her home address <laughs> for the fan mail. Yeah. And the postman was like, what were you thinking? You can't do this. Because at that point, it was like, look, it's eight, nine hundred letters. Yeah. And then it was an entire van full yeah. and baskets and baskets and baskets. And her poor father couldn't find his own bills. Yep. <laughs> um, and she's... It's I it's so you just don't see this. You don't see people who have brushes with fame or are close to very famous people that just that don't gush about them or their time with them or they try to self-aggrandize or anything. And she just basically once it was over, she felt very badly. She wrote the final letter to the Beatles fan club newsletter, which basically said this is it. We're done. Please don't write anymore. They've yeah. all gone off to do their separate things, and that's it. And she basically closed up the club. And she, But she spent two years <laughs> answering the backlog of letters. Yeah, which I'm sure she wasn't even paid for. No, I'm sure she wasn't. And then she walked away. Yeah. That was it. She basically she, didn't tell any... She'd had a child at that point, and she actually ended up having two children, and obviously never told them. <laughs> Didn't talk about any of it. I mean, nope. her son begged her yeah. to talk about it. She begged her to... Uh, and she tell, wouldn't. And she wouldn't do it. She never wouldn't. She she could have made so much money. She knew all of their secrets. Sure. She knew who they were dating. She knew when they were getting married before anybody else knew they were getting married. And she told nobody. And that was a really interesting point. They were actually talking... I think it was Paul. They, she showed, they show footage of all of them getting married. And they get married a lot earlier than most people know. Like, Ringo was mm. the first and he'd had a, a son. I'd never even heard of Zach Starkey, but there you go. But um, I think it was Paul got married and they kept the news out of the papers as long as possible. And they interviewed a couple of these fans that were basically like, no, he's married, I'm done, I don't want Beatles anymore, it's, it's not the same. <sighs> it's like, basically, you've ruined my fantasy that I might someday become Mrs. Paul McCartney. Yeah. And apparently that was so important. That was a big thing. To some people that somehow, this, even though there's literally no way this is ever going to happen. Oh. But that means we're not even, not going to listen to music, we're not interested, whatever. How must that screw with the band? seriously like that's like we're trying to make music like we're actually serious about our music you know the fans the 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 whole worldwide acclaim and everything sure but to find out that really the reason you're hanging on is because you hope you might marry me someday that's it, weird they used to do they did that with a lot with the hollywood stars too if they got married they wouldn't publicize it or they'd right. try to hide it because they wanted them to be to seem available approachable they wanted them to be that that kind of fantasy figure yeah, Which, I still like. Yeah, I just, it's just nuts. I I still don't understand 
Like, I, I, there's nothing in my head that understands the uh, traction to that level of fame. There's people, there's famous people I like to meet because I'd like, like artists and stuff. I'd like to talk to them about how they do what they do. But, like, if I got into an elevator with Bono, I, I might say hello. I, hey, Sonny. <laughs> uh, he's dead. Oh, right. I wouldn't say hello. Uh. I'd be more like, ah! <laughs> the dead live. Yeah. But I, and I've met a, a few famous people here and there. I've met Tommy Lee Jones, a gentleman you call sir. I don't know why you just do. Trust me, just do. Yep. Um. Uh. You know other people in the comic book industry, but it's like, I I can't fathom. Like I just have nothing in no chemistry in my head that can come together and make me understand that. Yeah, I don't understand wanting to marry someone based on an album cover. Yeah, or like I like their music. It's like mm. cool. I like their music. I might. I mean, I might love to sit there and talk to them about their music, but I don't want to marry. I, I, I mean, well, this I mean, this wasn't unique to the Beatles even no. at that time. I mean, you had the Elvis fans, but that when they show like, as she said, uh, when Frida talks about when she first realized how big they had become when they came back from uh, one of the I think the European tour. Yeah. And they're being honored at the city hall. Yeah. And two hundred thousand <laughs> people showed up, and she like was saying, "I I never even could visualize two hundred thousand people." That was when I knew yeah. how huge they were. And I love the line the inter- uh, the guy interviews her says, "What was Beatlemania to you?" And without a pause, she says, "No sleep." She was up like all day and night answering the mountains of fan mail. Well, I love the part too, and I don't think it was necessarily at that big two hundred thousand people thing, but there was a, a big crowd at one point, and she's trying to get through because she literally has their pay packets. Yep, she and she's has trying their to money. tell the cops, "No, no, no, I have to get through. I work, I work for, them. for them. I like... have their money." And they're, they're like, "Yeah, you and a thousand other people." <laughs> she just sort of was okay. I get it, and she walked off, but. Um, I, I like that the most of their money they would go directly into the bank, but they'd all get like fifty pounds walking around money a week. <laughs> yeah. and, he, and she would have it in envelopes, and she would bring it to them. Or like when she needed them to sign stuff, she would just show up at their houses in the evening yeah. while they're watching TV. And while they're watching TV, they're sitting there with this mountain of stuff, and they're all signing. And I, I like that she tried to get them to sign actually with a pen, even though for a while they had. Uh, a stamp. a stamp. Yeah. But she kept ruining people's autograph books with it. And she's always thinking in terms, not of the band, but it's like, what if this was me? If this was my autograph book, I'd be heartbroken if someone did that. Yeah. And John was the one who really didn't approve and seems like he got it stopped. Yeah. I also like the fact that, again, she's a, she's she was not a big person. She was a little... Um, wafy slip young, of a girl, yeah. yeah, young woman. And apparently, though, if you came into the office, she would put you to work. It didn't yep. matter who you were. You could be part of another band or whatever. But her thought was, oh, well, you could carry a mail sack. <laughs> oh, well, you could sort these letters. Or like you just said, oh, while wa- Ringo, while you're watching telly, you could be signing these things. And one of the things one of the other musicians says it just about how she was was. I wouldn't want to be in Frida's bad books. <laughs> yeah, you didn't want her want her mad at you. Yeah, she just uh, got things done, and yep. they, it, that somehow they picked the right person because of her willingness to keep quiet, but also her work ethic. And, and she's still working, at least at the time of this making this film, which pissed off her daughter. Her daughter's like, she could have been rich and retired, and she's still yeah. a secretary. Yeah. And if you and- watch the images of Frida in her office, she looks perfectly content. 
Yep. She's like, this is what I do. My uh-huh. mom was like that. My mom was 78 when she passed away, and she missed her goal by about a week, which was literally to kick over at her desk. Um, and she, it was, the only reason she didn't was because she had to go from her desk to the hospital. <laughs> Otherwise, uh. that's what she liked to do. And you can tell Frida Kelly's the same way. She's like, yeah, that's nice, but I got stuff to do. And yeah. if she'd been just sitting there doing nothing, she probably would have wasted away. Yeah. No, that's clearly she needs something to do. And I, I like the, there's one of the stories she tells is they're on a show and the Moody Blues are right. doing are performing also. And she goes and hangs out with them for a while. Well, and remember still why? Because she couldn't a, get into the, the dressing room with the Beatles. Right. Yep. And she goes over there, has a few drinks, <laughs> finally makes her way back to the Moody, to the Beatles. And John's like, you know, where have you been? Like, I'm hanging out, I was hanging out with the Moody Blues. And he gets furious and he fires her. He said, well, yeah. go be their fan cub secretary. And she just looks at him and looks at the other three and says, are you three firing me? And they all very quietly say, no. <laughs> and she says, fine, I'll work for you three. I won't answer your fan mail anymore, John. <laughs> and he says, no, no, uh, no, I, I, I didn't mean it. I'm kidding. I want you back. And she's a little drunk. And she says... <laughs> Get down on both knees and ask me. He says, can I get down on one knee? And she's like, all right. And apparently he did. <laughs> I love that. That's like, yep, yeah, you don't mess with Frida. I also, just there's one other story she does. She talks about how she wrote all the letters. There was a letter, a newsletter in every episode of the Beatles magazine or whatever you want to call it. And there's one where she actually had to address one of the weirdest fan theories. She actually had to start oh, one off yes. with, Paul's not dead. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> although we all know Paul's been slain in a bloody car <laughs> crash. I'm dead. <laughs> I, I also like, there's like a, a reporter snapped a picture of Paul walking her home and the rumor went around, in fact, it was published in the paper that they were married. Yeah. And they had to print a retraction saying, no, no, they're not. And they showed it. There, were, there was the, the little newspaper clipping. Yeah. Um, it was, uh, and, and to this day, you see, like, they're showing the tooth again in 2013, so it's nine years ago. But we're seeing this footage of her in her little house, and she looks perfectly content. And we get some, some footage of her daughter who's just like, I, 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 she didn't, Beatles, her, <laughs> them, together, nothing. Yeah, I, that, I mean, I, nothing. <laughs> I think there's a little family tension about that. <laughs> well, and she she felt badly because her, her son died young, although he'd had a son. And they show her with the grandson. And she's like, you know, again, what Max said in his his, his uh, view of the, the opening of the film, I just kind of want to make sure that he knows what his Grammy did and yeah. stuff. And, of course, I'm sitting there looking at this little two, three-year-old boy going, he's not even going to know who the Beatles are. <laughs> I bet he will. Yeah. I bet he will, especially if they still live in Liverpool. Mm. Now, there is There are statues. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. But I, I did want to talk about the way the film itself is done. Um, a lot of it, well, there's some archival footage. A lot of it is just her being interviewed in her house. Yeah. And we see her clambering up into her basement with one of those drop-down no. ladders. Up into her attic. Up into her attic, excuse me. <laughs> You're right. Up into the attic and digging around. Oh, God, I think these are the Christmas tree lights. And finding these four remaining boxes of Beatles memorabilia. Yeah. And, like, club tickets and theater tickets. Yeah. And... Letters from fans. It's very grounded. This is very small scale. Yeah. The only thing we see of the tour at one point is she talks about being on the Magical Mystery Tour. Yep. And how 
you know, you, she, to book them into hotels, they couldn't say it's the Beatles because they wouldn't let them. So she would book them in as like the Women's Catholic League. <laughs> well, they had long hair. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and the thing that killed me is when she's pulling down the ladder and, and you know, she's, she's an older woman at this point. I'm guessing she's at least in her 60s. Uh, she was 68 when the movie was made, yeah. There you go. Um, all I could think of was, would somebody please get out from behind the camera and help the poor woman? Yeah, she's <laughs> lugging these big cartons around. Come on, man. Yeah. Um, and, I, and the film did have a... See how to be how to put this nicely. A rather handmade feeling about it, and then at the end, it's like, oh, Kickstarter. Okay, that explains a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, and as I already sort of let go, spoiler: there is one bit yeah. during the credits where Ringo. I don't know how they got Ringo. Honestly, everything I've seen about Ringo just seems to say that he's just a really nice guy. I um, wanted to know where Paul was. Why didn't they get him? I agree. But Ringo's there, and it looks like they got him in a parking lot or something. It doesn't yep. look like particularly... But he's like, oh, yes, I remember Frida, good old Frida. She did so much for us. I'm glad she's doing well. Peace, love, Ringo. And he's just... And that's every time I see Ringo, and every time I hear about Ringo, of all the four of them, he seems like he was the one who was the most grounded and the most who stayed with the whole hippie, peace, love, everybody's cool thing, and doesn't like to get into trouble and doesn't cause problems. He's just... Ringo. One of the things that uh, I like that she talks about is when the four of them were sort of starting to drift apart. Uh, you know, John was get it was going off with Yoko into the peace movement, and George was getting into this mysticism, and Paul wanted to do his own projects, and Ringo wanted to focus on his family. Yeah, yeah, and because he had one son, and I think he had another kid on the way. Yeah. He yeah. ended up with two sons of, of whom I know nothing. Yep. Um, which probably good for them. Good, just yeah, good job, guys. <laughs> and I think one of them's literally my age. I think he was born in '65. So, oops, I gave oh, that away. Everyone <laughs> thought I was only 22. Um, I'm pretty much through my notes, Max. What about I, I you? I got a couple of things. There were just a couple of the lines she says, which I really liked toward the end when she's talking about. Uh, you know, why, how she could have made more money do, selling things. And I just like the line, all the wealth doesn't cure cancer, does it? Yeah. And, like, her sign-off, the last thing is, I never have to tell this tale again. It's down on record. I'm done. Yep. I just, like, this is not something she wanted to do, or it's something she felt she needed to do, and she's glad that it's done. But she's not going to, this is not going to be the rest of her life, which it wasn't. And I, I just thought that was very cool. But yeah, I think I'm about done. Wrap up? I think we should get to the wrap up. The roundup. So, Max. Yes. Uh, we saw this together, apparently. We did. Yes, we did. <laughs> Do you remember? And my no, you God, don't. you were such a pain in the ass in that theater. You almost got us thrown out four times, kept starting fights, throwing matches at the screen. Explosive flatulence. Um, <laughs> What do you think of this film? I really like it. I've seen a bunch of Beatles documentaries, and while this is by no means the most comprehensive, it's the most human. Mm. It's so grounded. I, the seeing it from the perspective of this utterly unpretentious, unimpressed with either herself or the whole phenomenon, just solid person. It's very real person about, yeah, this was my job, I, I loved them, but uh, it's done. 
and it didn't destroy her life or didn't become the, the focus of who she was. I think it gives a real some insights into these people I, I didn't have before I saw this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about you? I, I have two feelings on this film. Uh, one of which is that I just really like her. How could you not like her? Because yeah. she's so unfazed and she's so nice, but she's so steadfast in her beliefs. It's like, no, I'm loyal to them. And none of that stuff's anybody's business. And I'm not going to tell anybody. Does she have things to tell? Maybe she does. Maybe she doesn't. It doesn't matter. The point is, you're not going to hear it from her. She's not going to confirm or deny. The only thing she confirmed (laughs) was that Paul wasn't dead. Yeah. yeah. Um, And they weren't married. And they weren't married. Um, It's a very charming look. And it's interesting because after watching this film, I still don't know everything but I don't really have any questions either. Like somehow the director and Frida herself, for me anyway, made me feel okay with the fact that she's not talking. Like, nope, that's what it's all is. And the film's really about her, but it's it's also really about her connection to the Beatles. Because we yeah. don't find out about like in 1973, oh, what were you doing then? We know she was married, but you know, yeah. we don't we don't find that much about her. It's really about when she was the um the secretary yeah, the, to the yep. Beatles fan club, and then now that she's willing to talk about it, and her whole family's like, you were what? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure before this film came out, most people, unless they had been Beals fans and written into the club, knew any, knew, never heard her name, never anything about her. She did get, we saw that she was mentioned in a bunch of press clippings. I mean, you know, the girl with the job every other girl envies. Yeah, but in present day. like Yeah, that, no, that, nowadays, nobody knows. Nobody would know who she was. Yep. Um, and so I think it's a very charming documentary. It's not too long. It doesn't take itself too seriously. I think, though, that the audience is more limited. And I say yeah. this because I watched it. My partner happened to be on the couch at the same time, even though I told him I'd put headphones on. Uh-huh. And when the credits started rolling, his instant reaction was, well, that was boring. Oh. <laughs> and it's fine. He has no interest in the Beatles. It's fine. That's a big thing. I don't, for people who are not Beatles fans, I don't think this would be interesting at all. No, because basically it's a documentary about a really nice person. Yeah. And <laughs> not really that interesting. Yep, nope. Except, you know, you sit there and have to go, I bet there's just not that many people like that, that have that sense of honor, that ability to just not be impressed past a certain point. And don't feel the need to tell all the secrets and, oh, here's the drugs they were taking and here's all the women they were with. And quite honestly, to have the love without having the... Yeah, yeah the very she, real, very human love because yeah. she li- she knew who they were. Yeah. She knew them as people before they were, you know, religious figures. Yeah. Until they were bigger than Jesus. Yeah. And... He- I get why people were pissed at that, but he actually had a good point. And yes, he, he thought did. the whole thing was ridiculous. That was his reason for saying it. Wasn't saying mm-hmm. we're better. He was saying we're bigger than this religion, and that yeah. blows my mind. I don't understand it. That's what yeah. he meant. But of yeah. course, we're gonna burn records now because you said Jeebus. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but hey, uh, that was good old Frida. But we should talk about that poll question yes, again because people don't know how to get in touch with us. Yes, but just again. <laughs> What action movie cliche punches the biggest hole in your suspension of disbelief? People walking away from explosions, diving unharmed through a plate glass window, always finding a parking space right in front of the burning building, whatever. <laughs> and to answer that, you can, of course, email us at us at maxmikemovies.com and 
concurrently, go over to our website, which is MaxMikeMovies.com. What a twist! You can leave a comment there. You can also, of course, we will... We're available on the media, socially networkable, like the uh, the Facebook and the tweets mm. under Max Mike Movies. Weird. And, yep, and of course <laughs> on the podcast app of our choice, not yours, because we control the horizontal, the vertical, and your podcast app. We just do. We barely control our own podcast. We barely control our own bodily functions. But <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> yes, before, but before we so we've had a documentary about the Beatles. What are we watching next week, Mike? Also about the Beatles. Uh yeah, yesterday. But you didn't tell me. Yeah. Totally no. did. I, didn't I just talk to you told yesterday. you yesterday. When? Yesterday. What time? Yesterday. <laughs> Third base. Yeah. We're going to watch Yesterday, ah. which is a one of those Beatles adjacent films. And I have not seen. Inspired by. Inspired okay. by. Basically, it's about a guy who wakes up and finds out that uh, strangely he's the only one who remembers the Beatles and decides, well, there's a golden opportunity. I think I'll be the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll see if uh, this how this uh, is a reaction to the Beatles about the Beatles, Beatles fandom, or if it's at all enjoyable or st- stuff like that. There. Yeah. All so, sort of googly moogly, higgly wiggly. If you want to join us, don't forget join us. Yesterday. This has been a co production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Wrench.